Dream Star Institute presents DreamWork with Dr. Scott Sparrow. Episode 4, My Conversations with Jason Laborde, Dream Expert and Author and Well-Known Moderator in the Reddit Dream Community. Today we have with us Jason J.M. Debord, who is the author of four books, including the best-selling Dream Interpretation Dictionary. He is also creator of the Rad Owls Dream School and the Dreams 123 process of dream exploration. He is known for demystifying dream interpretation so that everyone can do it themselves, and for his work as a lead moderator at Reddit Dream, the most popular online home for dream sharing. He is known there by his username, Radow. That's R-A-D-O-W-L. Welcome, Jason. Good to see you again. It's great to see you again, too, Scott. Thank you for uh, inviting me to be a guest on your podcast. You're welcome. It's great to have you here. One thing I've noticed about your approach is it's very structured and very accessible, and yet very thought out, very elaborate in in many ways. And I, I love the idea that you start off with the idea of a narrative. The dream is a story. I find that to be refreshingly, not simplistic, but a, but a more basic and general way to get into the meaning of the dream. Most people, I think, to put it, maybe to stereotype them, often think about the components of the dream as being the most important. The, the objects, the, the images of people. But when you look at the story first and you let yourself feel the narrative flow, which as you know, in my second step, very similar to yours, I look at the generic storyline or the generic narrative. And if people can feel that storyline, usually they can see how it maps on their life and also whether it's developing or regressing or going in the direction that takes them somewhere. And then when they put the content in later, then they're looking at, first of all, they're looking at how they're dealing with the story, right? they look at their response to it. And then when they put the content in, it makes perfect sense usually. Much easier to analyze the components when you look at the story first and the action and yes. the response. So I think that we, we share an emphasis on that, uh, starting off rather than getting into the content uh, precipitously. Would you agree? Yes, I. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the there's there is a big picture in the dream that if you try to wrap your mind around it from the Mm get-go it's it's often too big and so you take it in parts and you walk through it especially looking at two parts of the dream the action in the sense of there's a plot to the story when you consider if you're talking about a movie that you've just gone to you know with a friend and now you're, you know, you're, you're having some coffee. Uh, it's after, you know, after the movie, and you're talking about the dream. What's the part of the story that you're probably going to focus on? It's the plot and yeah. how the story unfolds and mm-hmm. your reactions to it. So the reaction is the other part of it that's very important, I think, for understanding a dream, because you are. The dream is responding to you. It's creating an outline. You know, there's kind of an opening scene of the movie. And in that, there's there's a the beginnings of a story. And I think that that part of it is created behind the scenes. It's given to you. And then the rest of the story evolves as 
you react to the story. Now you're in the dream. The dream's mm -hmm. a story. You are an actor in it. You are participating in the story. It is a choose your own adventure. Right. So the decisions that you make while dreaming affects the way that the plot unfolds. So you are reacting to the dream and what it presents to you. And the dream is reacting to you. That's so it's, profound, isn't it? It is. That, that it's not set. It's evolving with you in a relationship. And that's yes. something that is a big aha for people to, to grasp. Rather Which, than seeing it as a given or something produced somewhere else by some director, you know. Um, yes. Something that's actually uh, unfolding as you uh, engage it. I think that's really profound. The, the idea that the dream wants to have a relationship with you or something in the dream really uh, resonates with me. I often think of the, the thing that wants to have a relationship with us as, as rather generic, almost like a, a domain of experience that I'm not too good at, perhaps, like power. Or maybe my sexuality is a little, uh, I don't know, removed from me and I'm not too connected. And so I, I get the sense that when I work with dreams over time, with clients in particular, that this dimension that may be undeveloped or unintegrated keeps presenting itself and the dreamer keeps co-creating an image that corresponds with their current state of mind. Uh, Jung talked about the images being partaking of both the personal moment of consciousness and the unconscious contribution as if there's a collision or a throwing together of both to create the image. And so, I, for instance, I had a client who dreamt that a dog was trying to uh, bite him, he thought. And he was flapping his arms to stay above the dog, like he could fly, but just not quite high enough. So he was desperately trying to flap his arms to stay above the dog. And the dog kept nipping at his heels, right? And so he brings the dream to therapy and we talk about the dog. Try not to get too specific, but talk about what is the issue about the dog. And he talks about his sexuality and his instinctual nature, as we might imagine a person would, and how difficult that's been for him all his life. So we begin to talk about how can he relate to the dog better? What can he say to it? Can he come down and play with it, right? Or maybe take a risk to see what would happen if he did. So he's, he's doing all this imagination and therapy, right? So fast forward a couple weeks later, he dreams of being in the same dream effectively, but now it's a beautiful woman reaching up, trying to pull his foot down and bring him down from the floating away. And he's laughing and yet apprehensive at the same time, not as afraid as he was with the dog, but still not comfortable being fully engaged with this uh, beautiful instinctual part of his nature. And so we see the evolution, not so much of the, the dimension that he's relating to, but the evolution of form that becomes more relatable, more intimate, more like desirable as he begins to, to relate to it. And I think that's beautiful to see the way the particular imagery will track the dreamer's development in relationship to a general domain of experience. Yes, and this is one of the, this is why I teach that you want to look at dream life as opposed to individual dreams. You yes. can interpret individual dreams, but it's a moving picture. And right. to understand a moving picture, you need to see where it's come from and then where it goes to. 
Yeah. Understanding that when what you're doing is relating to aspects of yourself, L like the dog in the dream is an aspect of the dreamer that he is relating to. And it is uh, an, a, it's an evolving relationship. And the dream will show you whether or not that relationship is progressing or regressing, depending on how you interact with it. If he'd gone into that later dream and he's still scared of the dog, if he's running away from it, trying to flap his arms to get away, then he's it's showing that he's not making the progress with that side of himself that's presenting itself to him in the dream. I think that the dream, we tend to think of dream life as being this totally separate aspect from our ordinary lives. There's like, well, okay, once you're out of the dream, mm -hmm. then waking life begins. And then when you go to sleep, now dream life begins. These are two totally separate things. But instead, I think of them as a cycle that are feeding off of each other. I've done some experiments with myself to see that if I, if I can influence my dream content, I mean, my dream content influences me. Yeah, I wake up the next day from a dream and it's, I've got yeah. feelings that yeah. have left over, you know, uh, uh, the, it's, uh, there, there are the parts of the dream that I'm carrying into my waking life, but I've experimented with seeing if I can influence the dream and I can. And one of the ways that I've done it was with a recurring dream character. It's a, a woman that there is a, a kind of a romantic vibe with her. Uh, and it's a type of character. She often looks different from dream to dream or over periods of weeks or months, her, her appearance will change, but I can recognize her. And what I've tried doing was, or is giving myself self love before I go to sleep, like hugging the inner child, um, uh, telling myself the things that I like about myself, that I love about myself, it, getting into the feeling of that and then seeing if she will appear in the dreams. And what I found is, is that that night after I've given myself self-love, she will appear. And the reason why is because she represents the, that loving relationship that I can have with myself. So that it's a relationship that evolves over time. And that's why I want to look at my overall dream life rather than an individual dream to understand what's really happening because it's a process that is evolving. Yeah, I agree. And, and the, the man that had the dream about the dog, I don't think he would have had the dream about the beautiful woman if he hadn't in the waking state reflected on what he could have done differently, how he might have failed the opportunity. And so it allowed him to evolve to the next stage without having to do it necessarily in the dream state, but to actually supplement, as you say, just kind of one life evolving in the direction of further integration. I have found this to be very powerful way of working with my dreams is to is the in-between times when I'm awake, but I'm using the dream content uh, for further work and progress within myself. The active imagination technique taught by Carl Jung and um, Gestalt taught by Fritz Perls. These were things that as I got into the more advanced dream work really opened up doors for me because I started having responses in my dreams to them and it allowed me to make the progress that was missing in the dream state. I, I often, I, I can think of something like if I if I analyze a dream and I get an idea of what it means and the potential that it's trying to show me, oftentimes I get into the next dream that involves that theme or narrative and I don't actually make the progress. 
the monster, let's say, yeah, is right. just as scary yeah, as it was before. Bad. And right. now I'm I'm still running yeah. from it or I'm I'm looking for a machine gun or, you know, something to try to because I'm reacting to the monster differently. Well, now it, uh, what I do is I pull that image in when I'm awake and I get myself into a, you know, a calm state, a feeling of being grounded in this reality in my body. Um, and then I pull that image to mind from my last dream that featured it. And I look at ways where I, I could have reacted differently. I will consciously then act, you know, let's say it's the monster in a dream. I, now I'm awake and I'm imagining that monster and I will actually talk to it, interact with it. Sometimes there's not even words. It's just sort of like the monster turns around and walks away. And I go, I guess it wants me to follow it. Okay, let's do that. And I've discovered something through this is, is that the imagination is a gateway into the world of the dream. The, the dream is not a place that disappears when we wake up. It's a space that continues to exist inside of us. But deep down inside of us is also a gateway to the universe. And the, the, the dream is this space that we can go into and we use our imagination to do it. And it actually gets the responses that you're looking for that are it, it, that working with the dream image in your imagination actually produces the same sorts of responses inside of yourself, the changes, the evolution that you can get as if you did it in a dream where you weren't you know, you're, you're deep in the dream mm -hmm. and you're not aware of anything else. It's different yeah. than the waking state and there's progress that can be made. Well, you can also do that while you're awake through active exactly. imagination, gestalt, and right. other means. Often call it uh, dream reliving, especially the dreams that aren't turning out so well. I, I, I used to have a flying phobia when I was younger. Terrible. It's hard to fly. And I started having nightmares about it. And I started working with the nightmare imagery uh, to change it, to change my response to it, like being in a plane going down. I would imagine being able to take control or to deal with the pilot, talk to the pilot. And I began to see shifts in the imagery, like um, dramatic shifts where I would avert disaster. And over time, I discovered when I got on a plane, the fear had gone away. Now, I don't yes. know if it was actually from the interactive reverie with the uh, dream reliving but it seemed to go deep into the root of the fear and I've, I've told my clients again and again it's hard to imagine the power of using the image of the dream and relating to it in a different way changing your response to it because hard to imagine how deep that connection goes into your psyche that somehow by using the image it's like it's like the uh, the blossom of a plant that has deep roots you can't see the roots but you can interact with the blossom and drive that deeper pattern to a new place. Uh, yeah, and the dream, the, 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 the dream image is a doorway that leads into doorway. deep aspects of yourself. So when you're when you're working with the image, you're actually working with those parts yes. of yourself. Right. Um, you mentioned fear as being something that is especially uh, uh, approachable 
in through this use of dream imagery in an active imagination sort of way. And I just ran across something. It was a study that showed that um, when people had dreams that featured fearful imagery, that they they were put into brain imaging and uh, uh, you know brain imaging that allowed the researchers to see the fear responses going on in their brains and they found that it had lessened after they had dreamed about it that it was actually a dramatic effect it wasn't just like a minor effect that you know the data kind of suggests it was like no we're actually seeing a dramatic reduction in the fear response after a person has simply dreamed about it and so if if the fearful image is something that you can access at any time, it means that you can do this while you're awake and enhance the process by pulling to mind that image that caused you fear and reacting to it differently. Sometimes it's as simple as just sitting with it and keeping yourself calm, maybe with breathing exercises or something like that, but you're just keeping calm while you bring to mind that thing that made you fearful and it reduces the fear response. And it's shown through these brain imaging studies. Right, and therapists are using what's called exposure therapy now uh, as a predominant intervention for trauma resolution. And all they're really doing is getting the person to tell the story again of the terrifying incident which is counterintuitive because people want to run from that, right? They don't want to revisit the fear. They don't want to go back to the nightmare, but there's something about it. Like you say, if you can just go back into it, and even if you don't change anything, just bear with it, you know, sit with it, that somehow it transforms it over time to a place where it's more integrated in the psyche. Which is something that our, uh, in shamanic practices have been taught to us for, you know, centuries or millennia uh, that you can work with that imagery and allow it to unfold in a way that you just, you don't fear it anymore and you allow it to do its thing. Even if it's, you know, it's like, oh, there's the bear that I'm afraid of. And now the bear wants to eat you, you know, like (laughs) allow, can you sit there calmly and allow it to happen? Well, maybe that's, it's allowing, it's kind of like eating the dead weight off of you. Um, I, I went through a shamanic ritual that involved a murder of crows because a group of crows is called a murder, right? Uh-huh. And yeah. it ate off the dead flesh. And there was a full uh, experience of the crows on the body and eating away the dead flesh. It would normally be perceived as a very scary image, but it was actually in the end liberating um, and was able to kind of allow the water to flow again. The water that had been backed up by that, you know, the dead weight, which was backing everything up, which which was going to allow life to flow and progress forward. Now it's gone. It's been eaten away by the crows and it went forward. It with the water was allowed to flow again. And the shaman that I worked with was also uh, by day, he was a counselor, you know, master's degree uh, from Long Island, you know, like, and very, you know, because we think of shamans as guys with like, you know, they're wearing feathers and they're dancing around down in the Amazon somewhere, but there's actually shamanic traditions all over, including in Mm -hmm. the United States and Western culture. And the the he was he just kind of laughed about the way that that image spontaneously came to mind and allowed the healing to progress because he would tell you that you know he's just kind of making it up as he goes 
that there's nothing really that special about what he's doing. It's it's working with the creative abilities of the mind to be able to heal itself. And all he's doing is facilitating that. So yeah. in some ways, we as dream interpreters are also picking up on the shaman's, you know, what the shaman's methods except for we couch it in language that's more you know palatable for the western mind we call it gestalt or create you know active imagination or something but what we're really doing is shamanism we are yeah. creating um we're, we're creating reality because what your thoughts about your reality are become your reality so we are in a way using the dream and where it wants to go to be able to create a reality in a way that's healthier and more balanced and hey let's just say more fun too right well you know i think both of us operate within a tradition that says that the dream is not out to hurt you that the dream is out to help you evolve and grow and integrate that it's a gift and it's very hard to accept that obviously when we have very terrifying dreams and a nightmarish content that seems quite real, quite autonomous. And, uh, but I think that the paradigm, the worldview that we both embrace is might be called the uh, non-dualistic or alchemical paradigm where we say everything in the dream is as Rilke once said, everything which is terrible is in the final analysis only something that wants our love. That if we yeah. can lean into the dream and help people lean into their frightening dreams, they really start to live as warriors, you know, live as uh, initiates rather than as victims and as fearful people who are divided. This completes episode four of my podcast. Please tune into episode five, in which I will continue my conversation with J.D. Laborde, dream expert and best-selling author.